Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes with way different jobs, different lives, even more different lives now. But a lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with it. We're your hosts, I'm PS McKay, coming to you from a dark place of despondency in a universe where the Ant-Man sequel has been relegated to 2023, and he doesn't know why. And I'm DT Cavman. <laughs> Newly free. Newly freed. And a little confused. <laughs> but mostly loving his dirty water. <laughs> it's okay. We all took the, the news of uh, for the Ant-Man movie pretty hard. So. Uh, you know, <laughs> I do like the Ant-Man movies. The other, I think it might have been Sunday night. They were back to back. I think it was TNT or one of them was running Infinity War and Endgame back to back. So I... I was waiting. I think it was might have been waiting for. Uh, oh, I was waiting to watch the rookie. That's what I was waiting to do. <laughs> uh, starring sci-fi legend Nathan Fillion. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. No, I uh, not a sci-fi show, but starring a sci-fi legend. I turned Ant Man, seeing that in the theater, to a date with Mrs. McKay. Who mm. loves Paul Rudd. Mm. Loves So it was easy. It was easy to convince. But she saw the movie poster, which is a big, giant words of Ant-Man. And then a little teeny tiny silhouette of a man in the middle of this big white poster, right? And she looks at it and she goes, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> they're doing Ant-Man? Like, <laughs> Not even doing the classic Ant-Man. No, no, they, uh, well, you know, you, you gotta do what you gotta do, but. You know what? It's fine, and I kind of like Michael Douglas's salty Hank Pym. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, you know what? It's fine. I mean, they've hey. done that with a few characters in superhero movies and TV shows where they have gone with the not standard, like in the Justice League cartoon, they went with the John Stewart Green Lantern. Uh, and right. I liked I liked the John Stewart Green Lantern from that show, and of course it looks like and of course I I have fallen behind. I didn't complete the last season of most of the Arrowverse shows, um, so I, I I heard that they they were trying. Looks like they might be trying to pay off the John Diggle as Green Lantern from mm-hmm. the last episode of Arrow, which is fine because they kind of hinted earlier at that his stepfather was a Stewart. And, you know, they're like, ah, and somebody from another Earth said, John, where's your ring? So, you know, <laughs> throwing all those that stuff. And, you know, it, it, it's it's good. You know, I, I, I don't mind the other characters. I just prefer, you know, you don't overly tinker with the with the characters and kind of change their, you know, their personalities or too much, you know? Well, you go with what, with the spirit of what the comic book was. Like, and that was the big thing about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They went with the spirit of the Marvel, com- Marvel comics. Right. They didn't go with the actual verbatim comics. Like they made right. original Captain America stories, original Iron Man stories, original. You know, I mean, all those stories yeah. we we're seeing on the theater, that we're seeing in the theater, they're original stories, right? There's based off of the, 
based off of, you know, the comics, but original stories, you know, so. Right. But here's what's coming up soon, right? The latest Batman origin story. Uh, I know. I, 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 I want to. I love Batman too, but I can't get excited for the Batman. Are well, you feeling that kind of emo when his hair, when his helmet is off? Yeah, it kind of, yeah. kind of looks like a an emaciated version of Winter Soldier from the very beginning of the movie when he's got the eye black and mm-hmm. stuff on at the very beginning. Um, I can see that. I can. And, uh, <clears throat> I'm I'm willing and I'm to okay give it a with shot. Robert Pattinson. I'm he's a good actor. He's a good actor. I, yeah, that's right. I'm going on record and saying he's a fine actor. Yeah. And I I, okay. I was fine with him playing Bruce Wayne slash Batman. I've never um, seen him in anything because I was not interested in Twilight at all. And I'll freely admit that kind of soured me on him for a little bit. Uh, yeah. Also, I kind of thought he needed to eat a sandwich or two. Um, <laughs> but. That that was me, and of course I've grown up, um, so I'm willing to give him a shot. Uh, I definitely, I I didn't hate on Ben Affleck as Batman as much, particularly after seeing Argo, where he started to get his chops back. Oh Daredevil yeah, was terrible. Daredevil I never saw was Daredevil. It was bad. I stayed away. The TV show was awesome, but as soon movie, as I saw that they were using the Kingpin. In the movie theater, I'm like, no, 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 no. Spider Man needs to be dealing with the Kingpin, not Daredevil. Well, he they did that in the in the show too, and it was great. It was great in the show, but I always felt that Kingpin. I, hmm, I, how I, how deep down the rabbit hole are we going to go on comics here? Real <laughs> quick, I think I think Michael Clark Duncan. They they tried to make the movie. If they had gone with an R-rated one, I think you could have gotten a darker kingpin from Michael Clark Duncan because he's a big. Oh my god! And Michael Clark Duncan can him. play a huge range, huge range. Oh yeah, he was in a he was in a Broken Lizard movie, <laughs> The Slam and Salmon. He was great in The Slam and Salmon. Oh my god! And of course, you know things I... like, uh, you know the Green Mile and whatnot. He had a decent ro- uh, role in an underrated, quirky TV show, The Finder, a spinoff of Bones, which was a oh. little bizarre. Um, the Finder versus Bones. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a spinoff of, of Bones. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Well, it's all good. Anyway, so we talk, we talked about you being newly freed. How does it feel to officially be a retired military person? Like, because I don't want to call you a civilian because you're technically not. <laughs> well, <laughs> nor will just, you ever be. <laughs> let's just put it this way: I'm no longer active duty, so it's. And you know, for the last month, I really haven't been. You know, I've been on the payroll. But uh, I haven't really done anything, hence the facial hair. But it, it might hit me more over the next couple of days because first thing I did today was walk into a military installation and have to get through the bureaucracy to get my retired ID. 
carrying mm-hmm. paperwork and showing IDs. Didn't feel like I'd left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so well, I, 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 I can't really say uh, that it that it really hit me just yet today. So I will have to uh, keep you posted on that. Um, <clears throat> uh, as a soldier, though, I do want to go ahead and make one quick sidebar here. Uh, this week uh, was the unexpected passing of one of my heroes, uh, both in life and as a as a soldier, uh, the the late great Colin Powell. Mm-hmm. So, this guy inspired me when I was a kid and looking at the army, because he just seemed so sharp. So, but he was on it, man. He was, but he also, you know, there's those stereotypical army generals or military general admirals who are raging dicks and, you know, unapproachable. He looked I like need a names. Hmm? I need <laughs> names. I'll say this. He always struck me as the smartest guy in the room. Mm-hmm. But also a guy who was willing to listen. And when you're a subordinate and you have something you're trying to, you know, uh, and this happens anywhere in life. If something your to bosses convey. don't listen to you, you know, if you're you're just trying to get some some good feedback here, it's it's rough. You yes. know, it's rough. It's you know, leadership crushing it down. It's like, oh, hey, that sounds like a good idea. So want me to implement it? Uh, No. Damn it. (laughs) Is there something wrong with the idea? You know, did I miss something? Oh, no, no, it's good. We're just not doing it. (laughs) And I can't sell it. It's my idea. Right. (laughs) Colin Powell, he had his his leadership principles. He wrote several books. I, I wish that's one guy I wish I had a chance to meet so much i would have loved to have met him yeah, i read he was a secretary of, of state a, while you were serving most of the time before 2008 any of my career yes he was yeah but i followed him as i was kind of getting interested in things you know uh the gulf war uh mm-hmm. he retired i actually i think i saw his retirement ceremony on c-span you know because that's what it 12 year old kid does is watch a retirement ceremony on C-SPAN. Jesus. The fact that a 12 year old watched C-SPAN is a freaking miracle. <laughs> it might have been CNN. Yes. I, I, can't, I can't tell you. It's been so long. But I remember watching part of his retirement ceremony. Uh, you know, because he stepped down right from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs position. So the president's pinning like medals on him and stuff like that. You know, I'm like, well, why is he leaving? He's doing a really good job. <clears throat> but, you know, it is what it is. And, of course, ever you know, since then, if people started floating him as a possible presidential candidate, which I think he would have yep. been an outstanding presidential candidate and a very solid president. Oh. Yeah, and I remember I, in 96, they were throwing his name around left and right. He would have, I think he would have cleaned house. Um, but that being said, his leadership principles and, and kind of who he was and when he started realizing, well, when he kind of felt like his credibility, the, the you know, the, his credibility was kind of put in question when mm-hmm. people were like, well, we trust him. We like him. 
So let's have him, people like him, so they'll have him talk to yeah about the weapons of mass destruction. Which, mm-hmm. and in all fairness, weren't there weapons that, found? A we lot found... of that ended up in Syria, dude. A lot of okay. people like to sweep that under the rug, but when we went into Syria, you know, the there was last all that gas. Years, like a lot of that was stuff that they could trace to the Iraqi. Are are not chemical weapons considered ma- weapons of mass destruction? They are. Okay, but, I I remember distinctly hearing we found a whole cache of of chemical weapons in Iraq. Like <laughs> we found a lot of stuff in Syria, though. Uh, I'm sure most of it went to Syria, but th- they kind of gloss over the idea that chemical weapons are a ma- weapon of mass destruction. They're a WMD, quote unquote. Well, you I think they're kind any? of. Yeah, I I know what people are saying that it, it looked like more of an imminent threat. Uh, and it wasn't as much of an imminent threat because a lot of the stuff was old stuff, probably left over from the Iran-Iraq war and stuff like that. But this Saddam Hussein mustard gassed his own people. Oh, yeah. He was dropping stuff like that on the Kurds for years. Uh, I mean, Well, that's, he, why he, that's how he got, got away with it. He did it to his own people. Like, <laughs> well, needless to say, I mean, Colin Powell... He's a you know, horrible person. Oh, yeah. And he, he got up there and he... He gave it his all, and I don't think he had all the information. And it, it he took a hit for it, but he's the man's never shied away from his uh, his duty responsibility, and I appreciate that. First and he, he went from being a, a fairly lifelong Republican to, you know, endorsing Obama, and his endorsement of Obama was a because it was late in the campaign. It was a huge win for the Obama administration. It was seismic. Yeah. yeah. And I'll say this. Oh. It was easy to endorse Obama right near the end there. <laughs> Holy crow. Like, <laughs> well, here's the thing. You know, I've I've had so much respect for General Secretary Powell. Um he What's signed, more prestigious, uh, uh, a title? Secretary or general? Yeah, Secretary of State's pretty prestigious. There's a million and one generals. There's only one Secretary of State at a time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, he was the chief diplomat for the United, for the United States for a period of time. So, I mean, yeah. that's pretty, that's pretty substantial. Um. To, a, to most of us in uniform, he's still General Powell. Right. Because he influenced a lot of us. I read a, a like a young adult biography of him when I was looking at joining the military, like when I was in middle school, something like that. Fascinating guy. Kind of pulled himself up from not a lot. His parents were immigrants from Jamaica. The guy mm-hmm. went on to be, at the time, he was the highest african-american ever in the u.s government when he became the first african-american secretary of state is it is it jamaican-american that's i know i know i'm just i'm sorry that was it was it was an easy it was an easy layup that i, sh- I should have let go he was also I the s- youngest chairman of joint chiefs of staff so yeah well okay okay but, and I'll say this, 
two times I was close to being able to cross paths with him and never had a chance to. He 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 wrote a few books, um, and he did book signings. You know, he went to a lot of military bases to do his book signings, and I think there was one when I was at, stationed in Maryland at at Fort Meade there, and I think I was swamped otherwise, and I'm, I knew the line would be astronomical. Oh yeah, yeah, especially that close to the Beltway, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and then a couple of years ago. About three years ago, Columbus, Ohio, near where I used to work, is they opened the National Veterans Memorial and Museum. And my unit helped set up the inaugural opening. Hmm. And so we had some color guard on hand. We had recruiters, my, the, the, the colonel, uh, a general from our command had flown in, but the guest speaker was General Powell. In fact, the, the museum is headed up by a retired three-star. Um, and I guess General Powell was like the honorary president of the board or something like that for this. Mm-hmm. So he came in and he spoke. I, I handled the setup. I didn't get a chance to stay uh, for the ceremony, which was a bummer. I would have at least liked to have seen him speak in person. Our unit did live stream, and I did watch it on live stream, which was pretty cool. It's like, ah, I helped, get, I helped get the stage set for the, him to come in. That was pretty cool. So but, you contributed, but it's still, yeah. Behind the huh. scenes, it's still important. <laughs> it's still important indeed. <laughs> so... What do you say we dive into today's topic? A topic that we were supposed to dive into four episodes ago. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Let's see. It was, uh, you know, it was all, it was all in the numbering because the episode where we were supposed to dive into this topic was episode thirteen, and it just, it was so it was two episodes ago, um, and it just went off the rails. In fact, that's the title of the episode. We, the, you know the guys, go off the rails. It was pretty so, entertaining. I enjoyed yeah, it. Was, enjoyed the it shit was, out of that one. Yeah, it was a fun episode, trust me. But yeah, we just it, it was episode thirteen. It was destined to go off the rails. It was so um those sci-fi guys.com episode thirteen. If you're listening, just take a look at the uh, the image I posted there. You might find it uh entertaining. So <laughs> I'm sure we will. I am sure we will. Now, this week we are going to do what we said we were going to do uh, two episodes ago, and we're going to discuss the season finale and the kind of overall how it tied up the season one of Marvel's What If, you know, the great animated half-hour Disney Plus cartoon that kind of takes a look at all these uh, different versions, what you know how something changes one thing changes in the marvel universe and then it's a completely different timeline mm-hmm. and story with some of our favorite um some of our favorite characters and there's twists on so it's like first episode and one of the things i noticed that they did and since the what if finale is actually kind of a season finale in the truest sense is that it connects to i think just about 
every episode that they did except one well and i know that there's one missing episode that got booted to season two that's what i was gonna that's what i was gonna say yes which (laughs) anyway well um i'll say this it felt more than a half hour i don't think it was much more than a half hour but that kind of storytelling was very well done it felt like i mean summary is the watcher comes off of getting his butt handed to him by ultron infinity ultron with envision's body um and uatu decides that he needs to form (laughs) the guardians of the multiverse and pick out the different heroes from the previous episodes that we've seen so he picks out killmonger picks which, out which was a little bit of a wild card you're like very much this so guy start like world war three murder tony stark t'challa and roadie mm-hmm. i mean this guy's not a good dude no what so i was no. waiting to see you know if he was actually going to have a hero turn and then nope. who, else, who else did he have so they had star lord t'challa uh-huh. uh completely different from the episode that killmonger was in Right. Um, and then they had oh shh, Nikes. Uh, they had Captain Carter. Captain, yeah, they had Captain Carter. Did they have cat? They didn't have Captain Marvel, right? No. Yes, but no. Remember yeah. Well, yes, I know that. Yeah, the, the Captain Carter. They had. Um, Oh, crap. I mean, they had Gamora from the Lost episode. Did have Gamora. They had... Did they have Hawkeye? No, they didn't have Hawkeye. They did not, but they did have Apocalypse Widow. Yeah, Apocalypse Natasha. Um, Which, which... that was a little bit out of left field, too, because you see him go and pull... Oh, they had Bro-Thor. Oh, Bro-Thor. Yes, that's right. They had Evil Strange. (laughs) And Evil Strange, who was the key to it all. So, and you know who wasn't part of it? And, and, and I don't know if you remember me talking about this the other day, uh, the other episode. But you know how you know how I made the observation that every episode made sure to get rid of Tony Stark. Yes. And and. It was it was it was necessary for each of these episodes to move on from Tony Stark by killing him in order to show Tony Stark's value. Well, not not Captain Carter. They didn't even kill Howard. Well, no, but you know what I mean, right? I mean, because that yeah. was that was before Tony Stark. So <laughs> well, they could have killed him if they killed Howard. Yes, yes, <clears throat> but they didn't. But uh, he was immaterial to that point. But my point is. Iron Man had a value and they had to show how much his value was, uh, how much the loss of his value, uh, attributed to each of those universes. Right. And here, Uatu comes in and looks at Tony Stark, who's in space at Nidavellir <laughs> with, with Gamora. And he goes, not you Stark, you Gamora. And he grabs her. He doesn't even pick Tony Stark. Tony Stark is immaterial to this equation at this point. Well, to which be honest, I found Tony interesting. Stark was kind of picked by the original universe. So, 
Kind of makes yes. sense to spin out a little bit. I get that. You know who else wasn't part of the team? Who was another linchpin of the universe? There's no Steve Rogers. Oh, you're right. You're right. And he barely was involved in any of it. I mean, the I only universe like, he was involved in was like Captain Skinny Carter. Steve. I like Skinny Steve and the and the Hydra Stomper. I, I like that they gave him value, even though he couldn't be Captain America. He he, he was, yeah, he was Stomper Steve. What'd they call him? Um, Stomper. Yeah, the Hydra Stomper. <laughs> that was the armor. He, he contributed, you know. I liked that. I, I uh, so, but anyway, uh, you know, the summary goes: uh, Watu brings all of them to the pub that that uh, Steve and uh, Peggy were at once upon a time in the first Captain America, and he explains, "Well, we need to get rid of these Infinity Stones and and stop Ultron." And plan starts. What do you think? Well, everybody argues. Because this is a Marvel <laughs> property. Yes. There's snarks. There's quips. There's uh, dick measuring. Um, Not explicitly, but yes. No, but a little. <laughs> you have Brothor being completely, you know, out there. I mean. Very, very half foot in it and the other foot in right. the in the keg. Like. <laughs> but when the fight comes, Thor is still ready to throw down, which I kind of like that, you know. Mm-hmm. You have Widow from the Apocalypse universe coming back as like, uh, you know, um, that that meant something in a lot of ways, I think, to me, especially considering how dirty I think Disney's done Widow and Scarlet. But... <laughs> Widow, you know, she's actually partially responsible for helping save this reality too. So, oh I, yeah. So you get you get Widow coming out of nowhere. Um, at least from the perspective of the other six, Killmonger disappears, but he's already being a royal dick the whole time, like eyeballing mm-hmm. the stones, and you know, he's even he's like, why am I here? Right. Yeah. Like, didn't I just murder everybody? And he was like, "Oh, I could use these stones." And and he figures out how he could use the the Ultron head to, or one of the Ultron yeah. heads to capture the stones with the um, nanotech. Well, <laughs> think about it. This Avengers team put together contains two essential villains. Strange went dark. Yep. Went kind of evil, essentially became the bad guy of his own story. Inadvertently. He, right. And you could see him fighting the darkness. You could see that he was f- trying to find ways to redeem himself, mm-hmm. but still was willing for the darkness. But Killmarker was just straight up a bad dude you know yes <laughs> which, which was, you know when they kind of touted it i was like you know oh so are they going to show that if killmonger was you know had the family to support him or something like that that you know he'd become a hero because that would have been an interesting twist that's where i thought they were going with this until and that's what it looked like until he started murdering everybody right I'm like why well, is yeah 
Why is he <laughs> murdering Rhodey? And why is he? Okay, so this guy's essentially the, he's gone full supervillain. Got it. Mm-hmm. Another thing that kind of confused me was they you don't see him taking like the heart-shaped herb or anything to become a super soldier. How the fuck did he catch that missile as a regular dude? Uh, but the very life, he catches the missile out of midair. No, he didn't. No, he picked it up out of the ground. He picked it up out of the ground and threw it. Dude, have you ever tried to lift a heavy explosive? Listen, uh, he's all right. Let's just call him what he is. He's a low power super. He's a low grade power superhero, so to speak. I mean, and that wasn't a big. I get it. It's not a big. Yeah, steroids definitely. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much the the special forces screens for that, but if it helps, it. I mean, <laughs> but um, well, but yeah, I mean, he, it wasn't a big missile, and he didn't grab it. I mean, he he pulled it out of the ground and he threw it far enough so that the shrapnel wouldn't kill Tony. So, dude, Peyton Manning's arm wouldn't have thrown a football that far. Okay, you're talking about a multi-dimensional, multiversal episode, and you're talking <laughs> and the realities of throwing a muscle. <laughs> okay. Oh. Oh. Well. Okay. Well, the laws of physics definitely explain zombies. Then. So. <laughs> hey, look. I. I don't know if I've made this clear, but I hate zombies. I'm not As a fan of zombies either. With an undying passion. Because for like 10 years, that's all that was thrown at us was, oh, what's the latest zombie movie? You mm-hmm. know, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, 28 Days Later, 28 Weeks Later, you know, World War Z, Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, Eat the mm-hmm. Walking Dead. The Walking Dead aren't walking anymore. You know, <laughs> all the spinoffs that are coming about this. The Staying Home and Knitting Dead, iZombie, the Disney Zombie. My kid's watching a zombie TV show or movie on Disney Plus. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. I I'm not a I'm not a fan of zombies. Never have been. I did read a good portion of the Walking Dead comics, but I never bought them. I just thought they were overdone. <laughs> the way vampires became overdone. Well, yeah. Oh, vampires were just way overdone. I don't know. Have you have you heard the theory that vampires and zombies like interchange in uh pop culture whereas during republican uh run governments the zombies are uh, the zombies come out in pop culture but in democratic run democrat run uh uh, governments the the vampires come out uh hasn't looked like that over the last five six years man it hasn't looked like that for the last 20 but for some reason you want to see fear the walking dead look at congress it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop Slate from trying to cram that down everyone's throat. So, oh. <laughs> with their Slate explanations, which are terrible. Oh my God! There's nothing. Anyway, <laughs> bastards. That's what they are. Look, nothing. Well, you know, the dear Angie, those worse. And, and here's the problem for me when it comes to these. And this is. They did vampires so dirty because they they kind of in a lot of them, particularly Twilight, they they went away from the mythology, which I think is very fascinating when you read it. If you go back to where the legends came from 
and all of the different things that vampires can and can't do. And, you know, it essentially just becomes like, you know, Euro trash with bad teeth, you know, roid rage, uh, you know, male model kind of dudes. I got and, I got a story for you, but finish up your point because, so, yeah. I mean, look. I liked uh, some, you know, I liked me some Buffy the Vampire Slayer, some Angel. I liked some older school type vampires that that had. Uh, you know, that had some uh, connection to the, the to the root of the legends, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. Plus, they were, I thought they were pretty good shows. Anyway, zombies just became, oh, well, let's want a kind of an action horror movie here. Let's do zombies. You know, <laughs> I mean, I get, I get the Walking Dead at one point was like must see TV, but now it's almost like The Simpsons. I mean, it's been on so long. Does who? I mean, I get it. You know, I, I but I just never really liked zombies. You know, I've seen a few zombie movies and just I was never like, oh, I can't wait to see the next one. Although I'll say this. The original 28 Days Letter was pretty fascinating. 28 Days Later was good, but that was virus-based. Not They weren't real zombies. See, and it, you see, but that I buy more. I bought it more, too. I liked that. I, I, the yeah, rage I virus, that was, you know? Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Um, but another thing I like, that explains why they were hyper-aggressive. You know, hyper they could run. Yeah. When, <laughs> when you, you know, zombies for years, even in the... If you if you go through the legends, particularly in like the Caribbean, like where people were zombified through voodoo, they're not sprinting marathons. They're like under people's control and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They might not be always shuffling dead corpses, but they're. You know, you, you got to dig into the legends and some of these things is like, OK, they're essentially like resurrected hellspawn. I mean, to be honest with you, I bought the deadites as more plausible from the net with the necronomicon <laughs> in, in the army of darkness uh, who wouldn't who wouldn't find that more plausible <laughs> that's just me i don't like zombies do you know that the modern vampire myth the modern one started because of rhode island i buy it yeah it was all about a girl Mercy Brown in Exeter, Rhode Island, who died of consumption back in 1892. And the story is much more tragic than what I'm going to explain. But there was a a father in his grief who lost most of his family to consumption at that time, Mm. um, was about to lose his son. And her his daughter in law, his wife or his son's wife, begged him to dig up Mercy and grab her heart and burn it and turn it into a tonic so that her son could eat it or drink it. I know it sounds terrible. It It's on lore on amazon.com. It's the first episode of, of lore, um, which is, it's really good. I recommend the Who first season it? of Brent lore. Spiner? No, uh, Aaron Mankey. Come on, man. I don't, you're, you're going somewhere that I can't follow. <laughs> <laughs> Lore. Oh well, yeah. Or oh, right. My bad. 
God damn it. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to tell a story and you're going deep on me. Here, which isn't that deep. This is my thing. I know. I know. I know. You're right. All right. As every as is everything. That's my fault. But I did enjoy the so, Marvel Zombies episode. Yes. Well, anyway, I'll tell I just, you what, what pulled the rug out for me when it came to that one with the end is you saw the, you know, a lot of the marketing footage showed Bucky and zombie cap battling. So I thought that maybe Bucky from that world would be part of the final team or something like that. Yeah. You know, kind of give Bucky a little love. But uh, Bucky doesn't seem to get a lot of love, right? Well, you know, and, and I guess uh, huh, he does need to atone for sins that he technically wasn't responsible for, but he still did them. You know what I mean? Hey, look, so, I get it. Yeah. So, so you know, but I found I f- the, the, the addition of the Marvel zombies. In the season finale was pretty entertaining. Oh, and Thor and Thor goes zombies. I love zombies. <laughs> that every producer from 2002 to 2018. Mm-hmm. Very true. That's a broy attitude. Yeah, dude, we throw zombies at the problem. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Zombies so there was that back and forth. That was nice. Yeah. A little longer. And then I liked how I liked how the plan was to ultimately have Gamora destroy each infinity stone with her infinity stone grinder or whatever. Yeah, it was and it then was she then put it on the salad. Yeah. And and then she attempted to and she couldn't do it because those stone that machine was made for her specific universe and those stones are on a different kind of frequency or something, which I found okay. That was a good little that was a good little fake out where it's like oh crap they tried and they couldn't do it. And it fits into the Loki thing where like in the the time bureau they're using Infinity Stones as paperweights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get I'll get you like a fish. Uh. Here, <laughs> pulls out Cordero the from Lower Decks in Marvel and Tacoma FD. Oh, uh, there you go. Wow, that brings it back. There it is. But so. yeah, so I mean, but that's kind of it. Does kind of stick with what they're talking about with the multiverse, mm-hmm. you know? Which oh, it's 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 interesting. So, which uh, would you think though that Ultron going from one universe to another would that not diminish the power of the Infinity Stones by going into another universe? You know that there is a little bit of a gap with that. I think you know they might they might have been able to explain it if you know they had hour long episodes instead of. Yeah. <laughs> But, this felt uh, this felt like a good structured episode. It didn't feel too short. It didn't feel too no, long. There, there wasn't any lag, and that's that's the advantage of these short episodes. Is yeah. that the, if they lag, then it just means it's a bad episode. Mm-hmm. You can have a good movie that lags at certain spots. Over two hours, if you got a fifteen to twenty minute section that slogs a little, you'll get those. Even in some of the best movies, <laughs> if it happens in a half hour TV show, that's not a good look. No, no, it's not. 
not. There was a whole like ten minutes of this episode that just drug on. I'm like, it's a twenty eight minute episode. That's bad. That is bad. <laughs> I uh, need to go back to the script doctor. You know, you had Peggy Carter being the essential. Essentially, the Captain America replacement, which and she was perfect for the role. Perfect, she is because as is Haley Atwell in every way. Well, I'm a big fan of her. I love the Except fact she that dates, she's dating Tom Cruise, though. She is. Yeah, she is. I know. No, I know. I mean, well, hey, look. If when I'm his age, if I'm as hit as him, uh, you know, seriously, but. It is what it is. <laughs> I'm glad you're as disappointed in this news as I was when I first found out. <laughs> I'm less disappointed than I used to be. Uh, <laughs> it is what it is, man. I just, uh, I don't care that much. I mean, <laughs> it's not like Haley Atwell's going to date me. So, I mean, for well, me. Well, that's what, that's what I have to remind myself, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, it is what it is, man. I... I'm okay. It was a little weird, but you know it's fine. I love Haley Atwell as as Peggy Carter. I haven't seen her in too much else, but I always loved her portrayal as Peggy because she was no bullshit and tough as hell. And yeah. I liked that. I yeah. I enjoyed the TV show. I liked when she had cameos in the other movies and in Agents of Shield. I'm glad that she's getting a little love here. As she as she should, you know. I, I'd like to see more of her. I don't. I just don't know how. I mean, they can probably, you know. She's coming back for season. Oh, there's been rumors of uh, possibly a Captain Carter movie after this. Maybe with all the, you know, maybe the multiverse of madness and how it's supposed to introduce the multiverse to more of the episodes, and with reports that that. Uh, Anthony Mackie is going to star in Captain America 4. Tell me that wouldn't be an interesting split in the multiverse. Oh, think about this. All all the live-action cameos from the animated What If that we see. Well, there's been some talk about some of those. Um, if nothing else, you could see some of these folks pop up in Doctor Strange 2. You know, it's like, even in a short cameo, it's like, as he's like... Almost like his little windows there in the Sanctum Santorum, which he can change. You know, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, here's Alaska. It's, <laughs> there, you know? it's like, there's Captain yep. Carter. Nope. Uh, let's see. That's, oh, that's zombie. Screw that. You know, so it's, it's <laughs> going through it like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious. I'm very So, how curious. do you feel about yeah. the ending? You know, I was a little worried that I'm like, where did Killmonger go in all of this? I was like, mm-hmm. oh, the heel turn. I mean, it's no surprise. It's like, oh, the guy who was a bad guy is is trying to be a bad guy. You know what? It was like, did you watch The Crisis on Infinite Earth? I didn't. No. Well, basically, without spoiling too much, Lex Luthor gets chosen to help save the universe, but he's still Lex Luthor. So. Of course he is. So Luthor is Luthor. So Killmonger was always Killmonger. And, uh, <laughs> you know, oh, he's going to say, oh, the mind, my precious. It's like the it, it looked like the end of Return of the King. You know, 
here, help you turn it into, throw it into Mount Doom. And it's like, no, it's mine. And they're fighting at the end, <clears throat> which is basically what it boils down to. He's using that universe's infinity stones and or whatever. They're, they're fighting the infinity stones against, or it was Zola and the, the he, oh, right. Killmonger got the infinity stones, right? Mm-hmm. But Zola is now in Ultron's body. Ultron's body, and they're duking it out in there, and they're fighting. Yeah, and then, but and then Strange, Strange puts those in, in in their own little mirror. It's the the what was it? The mirror dimension, almost. Yeah, it's the mirror dimension where nothing can be destroyed or or hurt. Right. That, that was like that was done in um the original movie Doctor Strange. Right. And so this. But here's it kind of ends with this being Strange's penance. Yes. To watch over which I liked. for eternity, which I think it's fair. Strange. I think so. Save the multiverse. So At the he's got a little bit of redemption. But mm-hmm. he now must hold up the world. <laughs> what I really liked, you know, they returned everybody. But I really liked them dropping off Apocalypse Black Widow, since her entire universe was gone, yep. into the universe that we where saw. she was killed. Where that Loki all took All the over. original Avengers, minus Cap, who was still in the ice, were killed. And mm-hmm. so you see, and it cuts to a great clip of Asgardians in, um, fighting the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier and, and Quinjet yeah, yeah. and on the... Helicarrier is Marvel Steve Rock, and, and Steve and Rogers. Dan, you know, and Loki's about ready to skewer good old Fury mm-hmm. until Widow, like, straight boots him in the grill and yep. gets a hold of the stuff here. <laughs> it's a pretty good look. I, and, I have know, this. I thought that was a nice touch. It was a, It was a nice way to reward her for what she did. They, they 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 put her in another universe that was was not unsimilar to her own, just right. a little different. She, she knew the play card though, because remember she had already lived through it, so she kind of knew Loki's. Mm-hmm. That's right. You're right. <laughs> Here's That's what I like about her too, though. Is she like gets right up in the Watcher's grill at the very end, which I thought mm-hmm. was. Interesting. I also kind of like the dynamic between Peggy and her widow and how she used that to convince Natasha to, you know, come help the team. Yeah. It's a different approach. In some ways, it was kind of like Steve trying to reach Bucky, you know, that we're friends here or something like that. Mm hmm. You know, I like that. That was good. It was well done. I mean, but we've you and I have been watching uh, multiverse stuff for years because we always liked the the mirror universe, mm-hmm. like in Deep Space Nine. I okay, I got a I got a guilty thing to, about that. I don't like what they did with the Terran Empire in Deep Space Nine. With the Terran don't Empire get me wrong. Yeah, don't get me wrong. It makes sense how it happened because. Spock was speaking out for for peace in a in a universe that was much more ruthless than ours. Yeah. And other alien nations took advantage of that. 
Well, it definitely it was for compelling storytelling. I mean, I I kind of enjoyed it. What I will say this though, man, is they the the expanded universe made a lot of books that explained how it got from the end of Mirror Mirror to the start of whatever it was the uh, the first episode through the looking Mirror Mirror. That was the original series episode, right? Yeah, and then Dark Mirror is the TNG book, right? But which is not at all canon to what the TV show was, right? No, and, and you're correct. The but uh, and that that is not taken into account. Basically, that's not part of beta canon, which right. is what was trying well, to. I mean, it it is, but it isn't. It wasn't part of the new beta canon that they right. That was trying to trying extend to the right. Star Trek timeline. So what, yeah, what they what they essentially said was that Spock set the Terran they he turned it into the Terran Republic but it was on purpose and it was designed to fail and of course his logic was for uh Emperor Spock or whatever was uh, his his goal was to cleanse the Terran Empire and their uh their supporters for their sins and mm-hmm. then he was the one who set up the original resistance which had been growing uh, for for a hundred years, and all these other resistance cells, when they finally started rebelling, then these guys kind of come out of hiding with some decent tech, uh, and it becomes a full out mirror war, hmm. which basically ends with a with the defeat of the uh, Klingon Cardassian alliance and the forming of a kind of confederation of planets or something like that not quite as tight as the federation at least at the beginning but um so and then it allowed confederation always has like a a more evil sound to us now which is interesting it it was kind of closer to the original coalition of planets proposed by archer oh yeah yeah but with a little bit more of a central government it was just it was kind of more like the way the United States were when it first formed, you know, the independent federation, right? <laughs> it was a confederation they states. There was a bit of a central whatever, but, but then it allowed them to do some of these, um, anthology books that would follow what happened to, you know, the, the great star Trek characters in the mirror universe outside of the deep space nine people. And then it follows how the Deep Space Nine people kind of led, you know, it began organizing, you know, a true resistance and bringing in other allies and stuff. So it was mm-hmm. it was fascinating and it kind of explained that, you know, um, I actually uh, I, I always have enjoyed the multiverse. Uh, I, I loved it in the Arrowverse. I thought that was great. You know, they had some excellent episodes with alternate Earths, and it led to some phenomenal crossovers when they did the great crossovers. So I was really looking forward to what if, and I thought that the season ended pretty well, and it allowed it to set up something for the future, including kind of starting, you know, season two looks like it's going to start roughly how season one started. Centering around Captain Carter. Mm-hmm. 
because yeah, we get to they had a they had a post credit trailer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go ahead and drop it. Spoilers. If obviously you know that this is a spoiler show, so would you walk us through very quickly the short uh, post credit scene for what if? No. Would you like me to? Yes, please. <laughs> not watch it. I did. I can't remember. It was a month ago. Okay. <laughs> it was a month ago, DT. <laughs> what it was was widow. This, this by the way, I, I used that a month ago excuse after I just spent an entire episode explaining an episode of Quantum Leap from thirty years ago that I saw at ten years old. Yeah, to the to T. I know. I know. So. The, everybody returns to their separate Earths, except Killmonger is fighting Ultron in the in the in the mirror universe, being guarded yep. by Evil Strange. His universe is gone. Apocalypse Widow's universe is gone, and of course, several other universes or multi you know universes are gone. Um, we assume that Gamora goes back to her little you know Thanos killing mission or whatever with or she already killed Thanos, didn't she? In her universe, she did. Which we need to see, but she goes back to Nidavellir there with, uh, with Gla- Gladiator Tony Stark, and then they had, um, you know, Widow uh, Apocalypse Widow gets dropped into Dead Avenger universe, which was pretty mm-hmm. fascinating uh, to help them turn the tide there. Peggy goes back to hers, and she's back on the Lumerian Star. And her universe is widow, and this is where this goes to the end credit scene. She she says, "Hey, there's something on here. Basically, there's something on here you need to see." And they go into the hold of the ship. They open up a room, and there's oh yes, that's right. There's the hydroscopper. <laughs> the and widow essentially intimates that there's something inside that you might be looking yep. into. So, Steve, is it Steve? Yeah. Did they? Winter Soldier Steve? Is he really old man Steve? Is he, you know, Steve with the mustache? I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting. Is it not even Steve? Who knows? We'll see. Uh, I hope because I'm interested. I I really loved because I like these old war movies. You know, these old epics from the 30s and from the 40s and 50s, the World War Two movies. Uh, and I thought First Avenger was a really beautiful homage to those with the music and the color oh, schemes yeah. and, you know, people being able to... the First Avenger uh, Captain America theme for my fireworks display every year at 4th of July. I love the First Avenger <laughs> it is a great. It is great for the 4th of bum, July or any... Bum, for, bum, for entrance, and it's very bombastic and it's oh, very... It's- it's perfect. It's perfect. It is. It, <laughs> and you it know, feels then, very American. Yes, I, I know. I know it's pompous to say it, but it is bombastic. It is big. It is over the top. It is enveloping. Well, the the and, Captain America march, you know, the full version from the, it kind of almost sounds like it should be, you know, like, you know, a scene where like people are marching in a parade and getting medals, like. Like if you would it was to put that over the ending of the original Star Wars as they're marching down to get their medals, it would fit. Yeah. 
It would you know? fit, yes. Because <laughs> that's yes. just the kind of theme that it, it sounds like. And, you know, they've reused it in a lot of, you know, other Captain America m- movies. And they've used it, you know, I think they even used some of the lines, you know, some of the music in the Captain Carter episode to kind of tie it all together. Mm-hmm. And they reused a, a version of the Star Spangled Man with a plan. And when they introduced... Uh, John Walker and Falcon and the yeah, Winter Soldier. Yeah, they did. You're right, um, they did. Well done. Which, well, which well, I, well, I enjoyed that show. I enjoyed the, the Marvel TV shows. If that's something we want to do sometime, I think that's great. But what if it was a little bit of a, like I said, I kind of like these, I read some alternate histories. I remember you read alternate histories, the Harry Turtle Dove series. Mm-hmm. Or uh, he was, that was the alternate World War II series, right? Uh, the well, there's a lot that, of them, but yeah, the, the one that I introduced you to was uh, the World War series where aliens invaded during right. World War II. Right, and he did a series where the South won the Civil War, and then it goes all the way mm-hmm. to World War One, where it's like the South... The U.S. The sides tanks. with with Russia, I'm sorry, the U.S. sides with Germany, sure. uh, the South sides with England and France, and it, I mean, basically, the two Americas fight each other here, and then... Yeah. continuously and Europe is fighting itself continuously and yeah. yeah that it was a fascinating alternative history uh series if I do say in the balance it's in the balance shoot I yeah I can't look remember, it up. but there was I've enjoyed other series of alternate histories one was a trilogy where England invaded during the Civil War, don't don't play with your microphone. It it it, it comes up in the sound. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not used to using this one. Uh, I know. DT's so, got a DT's got a headset with a, a microphone on it. First night he's using it, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm trying to uh, increase sound quality, uh, but apparently I'm making it worse. But anyway, the series this series um, that. While initial attacks on Union forces because they came into the side of the South, um, they accidentally attack a Confederate fort. And then instead of stopping, going, oh, shit, our bad. The the British forces continue and start terrorizing the, the towns nearby and looting and stuff. And it takes place early on in the war. and And then the North and South are like, we we gotta do something we need to stop this <laughs> there's 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 troops you know there's british troops coming out of canada into northern new york and they send grant to to fight to lead the uh defense there what and book is German, this i can't remember i i have struggled to find this trilogy again it was pretty neat but it followed a trilogy where essentially the north and south kind of reunite to fight england and then they fight them in the U.S., in parts of Canada, they fight them in Mexico. They land in Ireland, an invasion force in Ireland, and in free Ireland, and they they fight. They they fight against the English, you know. So it Gosh. becomes this big deal. But there was another series which was almost like a multiverse series. I can't remember the author of this one, but I remember the books because they're just years. One was called 1862, and it's another 
just um, it's another take on if the British entered the Civil War on the South side of the South, but it's just done in one novel and the outcome of that. There's another one called 1901, which follows up. Teddy on, Roosevelt. It does, but it follows up on a German invasion of New York City because there was actually a contingency plan uh, developed by the German Empire to because they were as late to the imperial game as the U.S. were. And they kind of thought if they could land on the U.S. mainland and grab hold of some territory, you know, basically as a, we'll leave this little chunk here of your mainland if you give up some of your possessions. So that was mm-hmm. a contingency plan that the Germans actually considered right around the turn of the century. Uh, we almost got into a fight with the German Navy after the Battle of Manila Bay and the Spanish-American War. Yep. When the German fleet starts showing up and starts trying to intimidate the U.S. fleet there. I remember that. Yeah, Dewey tells them about to that. put up or shut up. And then the Brits who had troops there, who had ships there watching was like, you're acting like an asshole. So if, if, <laughs> if the Americans decide to fight back, uh, we're on their side. Yeah. <laughs> Brits didn't want the Germans getting involved there either. No. So, but that there was a take on that. Then there was 1945, which instead of dropping the A bombs, we went through with the projected uh, invasion of Japan, which was supposed. Oh to my be God! Placed in the latter half of 1945. What now, was that operation called? Um, uh, they I, projected a million U.S. million yeah. U.S. soldiers to die in those yeah. invasions. One exactly. million. Uh, One million. I'm not saying it was any better to drop two atomic bombs on Japan. Um, most definitely irradiating parts of the world is is not something I'm exactly a proponent of. Uh, so, You're not? <laughs> no, because usually guys like me end up in those parts of the world. Uh, yeah. you, you only need to be you only need to worry if they're coming over the hills now. <laughs> uh, about, uh, whether or not the next war movie or military show I watch is accurate enough for me not to have a you know put my fist through the TV. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that SEAL Team Six show is uh, just a paragon of, of military not, accuracy. Yeah, I like it. Really? Uh, I'm not a Navy SEAL, and I've never been <laughs> special operations, but. And I'm sure it takes plenty of liberties in general, but it does not. It, it, it seems like it's really trying. In fact, and this has makes absolutely nothing to do with the uh, with the show, but. The uh, basically there's there was a former army ranger on the team. Yeah, uh, there were two former special ops who who play like supporting characters. So they actually have real special ops dudes who uh, they're, uh, who are actually co-stars on the show, giving it some serious credibility. So, All right. Well, well, and they go, can they can contribute their experience. Correct. I'm sure it's not flawless, but anyway, <laughs> I've always enjoyed these alternate takes on on history as well as you know, in Star Trek and, and such. So I always I found that uh, what if 
was a pretty good show. I enjoyed it. And I look forward to seeing more of these, not just continuations of some of the stories we've already seen, but some other what ifs. Well, and I, I completely concur. I honestly thought I was delighted to find that this was actually more integrated with each episode than I originally thought it was going to be. I thought it was just going to be a bunch of one-offs. And then they just tied it all together into one big Avengers episode, which was fun. And they left it off the possibility of being able to continue some of these timeline stories, which I I, I look forward to as well. I, I hope that we get to see more of Captain Carter and... Um, uh, um, oh, shoot. Uh, Captain Carter and Star-Lord T'Challa. You know? Yeah, I like Star Lord T'Challa. He's, I always liked T'Challa, but this this Star Lord T'Challa is a little snarkier and a, a little, little snarkier, a little, little more, more blue collar, but but chill. still, he's a little more chill. He, he is absolutely more chill. Yes. So, but uh, yeah, and and are you excited for for Hawkeye? I am. I am excited for Hawkeye. I uh, I think Jeremy Renner is very understated and now everybody has had their own movie or yes. tv show mm-hmm. if you want to count mark ruffalo and uh, uh uh edward norton being the same person technically as which far as... you can because they 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 brought it all together in marvel's what if and they did, they did. did a huge callback on it so well, they essentially wow. redid parts of the movie just with Ruffalo there and <laughs> yeah. and with um, Thunderbolt Ross being back, you know, it kind of it's like, oh, I guess that movie actually does part exist as part of the canon. Mm-hmm. And who else showed up? But Abomination in Shang-Chi. Haven't seen Shang-Chi yet. He Wait was he Disney was Plus. That's no spoiler. Because I know it, it he was, was in, in the, the he was in the trailers. Yeah. So. <laughs> which I'm, I'm i'm interested i can't wait to see it but yeah i'm waiting for disney plus for that so you know, it's kind of nice to see them and while i didn't think it was the best marvel movie either it is kind of nice to reintroduce it a little bit more its connection to the canon yeah yeah i think it's no i think it helps agreed so i yes i am looking forward to hawkeye uh i kind of like Haley stanfield I thought she was amazing in the True Grit remake. Um, I didn't see her in Bumblebee. I heard it was good. She I was fantastic it. in Bumblebee. A movie that you need to see with her is The Edge of Seventeen. She plays a high school girl dealing in a world where her father died previously. And um, it's good. It's very well done. Woody Harrelson's in it. And Woody Harrelson's hilarious. He's fantastic. Just just pull up the trailer for Edge of Seventeen. Haley Steinfeld just shows her chops really well. Uh, it's something I'll have to take a look at. But yeah. of course, there's rumors that Wilson Fisk might show back up in Hawkeye, which would be great because now you're starting to tie the the, the Netflix shows back in. Because word mm-hmm. there's a lot of rumors that Vincent D'Onofrio might be making his return. A lot of rumors that some of these Netflix folks are coming back in. Yes, but not the exact Netflix characters. Right. Just it's, multiverse. It's, <laughs> I I hope I hope that you know I, I look forward to seeing 
it more. You know, maybe it won't be as so dark. But yeah. uh, but that was one of the, the plus things about it. The darkness was a little bit because it was different than what we were used to seeing. So, yes, true. But I'm looking forward fights. to it. Uh, right now, I can't say there's not a Marvel uh, project out there that I'm not at least not interested in taking a look at. Well, we got the Eternals coming up in a, uh, like three and a half weeks now. The Eternals. So do we want to do. Do we want to do a review of that? At some point, you know, we can when we watch Marvel's Game of Thrones. Marvel's Game of Thrones. Marvel's. Marvel's. Rob Stark, Jon Snow. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yes. So you say when we see the Eternals, we can actually talk about it. Well, I think that's probably a good thing to do. I, I don't really know much about the Eternals outside of what I'm probably going to see in the movie, so... No one knows what's going it's on. It's got a pretty heavy cast. Outside of the movies. I mean, so. it's, it's got Selma Hayek and Angelina Jolie. So mm-hmm. they've got some they've got some chops in there. It's not like Marvel is not known for pulling heavy hitters. Well, they basically have their version of the Marvel version of Superman there too, Rob and, and Rob Stark. So, I mean, he flies, he's got super strength, he can shoot lasers out his eyes. So he's not from around these parts. He, no, he's not. <laughs> he's basically Superman, which I like. But anyway, I think that's a good note to go on with the Superman in the MCU. Um, we still have the Ace, the ALCS to finish up, which ugh, that took a turn. It took a turn, my friend. It took a turn. All right. Well, it is what it is. So. Without further ado, I am PS McKay, and I don't have my I don't have my outro up yet. Oh, there it is, but it's too late now. So <laughs> he's PS McKay, and he's having problems. I'm having all the problems. So long, everyone, and we'll see you on the high ground. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Alpha Site Productions, produced by DT Cavman and PS McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow PS McKay on Twitter at PS McKay.